News Talk 1110-993 WBT. We are monitoring the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. We are in closing arguments now. This is the Assistant District Attorney Thomas Binger, who began about an hour ago. Uh, he has been interrupted several times. He's been playing uh, uh, just only a couple pieces of video. He's focusing right now on the first shooting of Joseph Rosenbaum. He was the uh, the unhinged guy yelling and screaming at everybody at the gas station. He had the plastic bag. He chased Rittenhouse through the parking lot. Rittenhouse shot him um, when, uh, when uh, Rosenbaum attempted to grab the gun. And the assistant DA has been showing all of these different uh, video clips from different angles in order to make the case that Rittenhouse was running away from Rosenbaum and the only reason that Rosenbaum was chasing him was because Rittenhouse had pointed his gun at Rosenbaum. I don't find this to be a persuasive line of argument, but again, I don't make predictions on jury trials because you never know. So that's where we picked this up. This is the assistant DA Binger in his uh, close. So we have shown you the defendant murdering Joseph Rosenbaum from three different angles. The drone footage, Drew Hernandez, and also the uh, uh, FBI video. The defendant admitted that during this entire incident, he knew that Joseph Rosenbaum was unarmed. I'm gonna come back to this in a little while, but there's this alleged threat that Mr. Rosenbaum made earlier in the evening to kill the defendant. I will debunk that. That did not happen. No. It is the one fact in this case the defendant wants you to believe that there's no video of and in fact i have the video of the entire incident i've played it for you and i'll show it to you again there's no threat there's also no evidence that mr rosenbaum he never said i'm going to take your gun he never said i want your gun there's no indication of that but there's literally video of him grabbing the gun that the defendant fired at joseph rosenbaum hit the victim in the right pelvis fracturing it. Mr. Rosenbaum was incapacitated at that point. He is, whatever threat he might have posed, it's over. There is no further threat. He is falling to the ground, and the defendant doesn't stop after that first shot. He tracks Mr. Rosenbaum's body all the way down, firing three more shots. A second shot, which goes through Mr. Rosenbaum's hand, and then a third and fourth shot, one that grazes the right scalp, and one that goes right into Mr. Rosenbaum's back. And that is the kill shot. That is the one that took Mr. Rosenbaum's life. There is no evidence that Mr. Rosenbaum was reaching for the defendant's gun. Mm. And after that first shot, there's no way Mr. Rosenbaum could have taken that gun even if he wanted to. He is already falling to the ground he is helpless. He is vulnerable. And as I said, the kill shot is the one to the back. This is that wound. Dr. Kelly testified that the angle of this shot was from the left shoulder towards the center of the back, and the bullet continued on down towards the right lower back area, tearing through bodily organs and killing Mr. Rosenbaum. Here's a picture of the wound to the, to the hand. There's been a lot of testimony about this wound. This is one in which 
the evidence suggests that Mr. Rosenbaum's hand was most likely turned in this position, palms outward with his thumb to the ground, when the wound, the bullet goes through the area in between his middle finger and his ring finger and penetrates the lower knuckle of the middle finger and the index finger before exiting. Dr. Kelly testified there's soot in that area suggesting that the hand was close to the end of the defendant's barrel of the AR-15 at the time of that shot. The defense wants you to believe it's there because Mr. Rosenbaum is deliberately reaching for the gun. Well, that doesn't make any sense. First of all, this occurs after Mr. Rosenbaum has been shot in the hip and has got a fractured pelvis at that point. He is falling. He is not able to walk. He's probably not even able to control much of his movements at this point. When you're reaching for that gun, this is not the way you're going to do it. This is not going to be Oh my God, this effective. is so dishonest. I submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> to the, the so extent bad. Mr. Rosenbaum's hand ever got close to the end of the defendant's gun, it was completely inadvertent, uh -huh. not at all intentional. That's why he was chasing him, you see. Now, we've heard a lot about the Zeminskis <laughs> in this case, and I just want to carve them out of this case right now because it's a red herring. It has nothing to do with any of this. There's been some focus on that because I think the defense was hoping they could work this into their self-defense claim and make an argument that that first shot by Joshua Zeminski somehow made the defendant fear for his life. Unfortunately, the defendant was, wasn't on board with that because in his testimony, he told you that that shot had nothing to do with his thought process. It didn't affect him in any way. He said he didn't think the shot came from Joseph Rosenbaum. He knew Joseph Rosenbaum was unarmed and he admitted to me, you can't kill Joseph Rosenbaum for something jo Joshua Zeminski did. So let's just carve Joshua Zeminski out of this case. I'll deal with him on his arson trial in January, but until then, it doesn't factor into any of the decisions the defendant made. And in fact, as you see on the FBI video, the Zeminskis continue walking straight on down the sidewalk. They don't pursue the defendant. They don't threaten the defendant in any way. Now the defense wants you to think Joseph Rosenbaum was there to attack the defendant. We'll never know what Joseph Rosenbaum was thinking because the defendant killed him. So we're just guessing. But let's assume for a minute, yeah, Joseph Rosenbaum is chasing after the defendant because he wants to do some physical harm to him. He's an unarmed man. He's this is insane. A fight. This is a fist fight. This is a fight that maybe many of you have been involved in. Two people, hand to hand, we're throwing punches, we're pushing, we're shoving, we're whatever. I don't think this DA's ever been but in a fist fight. But what you don't do is you don't bring a gun to a fist fight. You also don't pick a fist fight with an armed what person. What the defendant wants you to believe oh my is that because he's the one who brought the gun, he gets to kill. So I want you to contrast this. Two different scenarios. That's, one scenario oh where there's two guys who are throwing punches at one another like a bar fight. <laughs> I think we'd all agree you can't kill someone. Oh my god. You can't punch the guy, knock him to the ground, and then get on him and strangle the life out of him. That's murder. So what's the difference here? The only difference is the defendant brought a gun. He brought his AR-15. That's why he's got to come up with this cockamamie theory <laughs> that Joseph Rosenbaum was not only going to take the gun, but take it and then turn it on the defendant. And the defendant actually 
told you that he thought Joseph Rosenbaum was going to take that gun and not only kill him, but kill other people, which is really ironic considering the defendant is the one who killed people in this case and the only one. But putting that aside, they have to convince you that Joseph Rosenbaum was going to take that gun and use it on the defendant because they know you can't claim self-defense against an unarmed man like this. Not you lose true. the right to self-defense when you're the one who brought the gun, when you're the one creating the dam danger, that, that's when not you're the one provoking other... All right, that's not true. You don't lose the right to self-defense if you bring the gun. That's just not accurate. <laughs> you don't... As a concealed carry permit holder, you bring a gun to every situation just like the cops do. They bring a firearm into every single incident. Everyone understands this. You don't lose the right to self-defense simply because you show up armed. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. You can also email Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. We've been uh, listening in on the closing arguments in the Kyle Rittenhouse case up in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Let me jump over here to Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Welcome to the show. What's going on? Hey, Pete. How you doing? Hey. Oh, you know, I'm all right. What's so, up? Yeah, again, love the commentary. You should be on MST 3000. It's that good. <laughs> um, so I was listening really closely to something you said earlier. I didn't want to call it that time, but I will bring it up now. You said... You had mentioned what was happening, and then you said, unless one of your favorite news uh, sources lied to you. Indeed. That? Now, that was, that was a good one, and that's one of the things <laughs> I want to bring up right after this. Notice that that defense attorney said, he's going to do something. <laughs> he's going to do something generally you can't do, but he's so good he can prove a negative in court. He can, he can do that. That's how good he is. Well, but, I mean, that's, I mean that's a, that would be a pretty impressive thing for anybody to be able to do, don't you think? <laughs> As soon as he said it, I'm like yelling at the radio. Yeah. Um, but the, one of the most surreal things to, to the original point was it is so odd seeing the dichotomy between the media, between what one side of the media is saying and what another side of the media is saying and presenting as fact. Stephen Crowder, there was a quote that he put out yesterday. He said, what everyone should realize here." is your right to self-defense is on trial today. Not someone else's, yours. Mm -hmm. And it's so, it's so profound because wh where this all stems from, where this is all coming from, is, is ultimately government and the oligarchs that run our government. We, they, and, and as a perfect example, and you can see people are starting to wake to this, it's not so much who is taxed for what, and this whole thing that's going on with Elon Musk paying their fair share. What people are waking up to is what they're spending our money on. The fact that they are, and the fact that they are pitting us against each other so regularly to, to take away from the fact that they are and have been for decades over, completely over their head and completely bereft of anything resembling integrity. This is happening, and this is why I love Ryan's bumper music. Because that's exactly what's happening. Ryan doesn't so pick the so bumper. What, but wait, what bumper. bumper music? What bumper music is Ryan he picking? Plays, he plays Led Zeppelin when the levee breaks. That's not Ryan's pick. That's my pick. Oh, that's your pick. All right. Well, that's still. been my theme song for a decade. Do not give Ryan credit for that. No. No, because your name is Ryan. You just assume Ryan has the good idea. Yeah, I, I see yeah, how it goes. All right, Ryan, thank you. I appreciate yeah. the call, man. Thank you. 
I do find that comical though that the one the one bump tune that we get the most praise for is mine. It's the one I picked. Uh Stephen Miller, who writes at uh not the one from the administration, but Stephen Miller, the writer at Spectator, he says Joe Biden and his handlers are governing like a terminal patient with a bucket list, hence the transformation through pain that's currently being inflicted on the country. That's his latest piece uh, up at Spectator. Um, there's also, uh, to this point, and yes, I will get back to the uh, audio. They've taken a break up in uh, Wisconsin. I will get back to the uh, the closing arguments. I think i got like four minutes left or so of the prosecutor before something happened. The uh, they, they had a technical problem or whatever, and then they just decided to break for lunch, which was really weird. Like, talk about interrupting your flow. But um, I'll, I'll, I'll get back to that after the news. But there was a piece, several pieces actually, by Jesse Singel, S-I-N-G-A-L, Singal or Singal, Singal. Anyway, writing at Substack, this is uh, essentially their their subscription newspaper. But to Ryan's point about the disconnect in America between people who get their media from, or get their news, rather, from corporate, mainstream, quote-unquote, media, this case is probably creating quite a bit of anxiety or cognitive dissonance because you've probably not been told the details until the trial began. Jesse Single says that the case demonstrated one of my biggest fears about the current media environment, what feels like endlessly accelerating balkanization. We seem headed towards a point where every major news story generates at least two distinct versions of reality that are summarily adopted as true by many partisans. And the more explosive the story, the more disagreement about the facts. This is one of the reasons why, by the way, I will tell you me personally, when there is uh, an active news story, like usually it's a shooting of some kind, a mass casualty event, I am very, very hesitant to bring you details that I don't know to be uh, true. And so usually... I will wait, and I'm okay not being the first one to have all of the information right now because a lot of times what happens in particularly these uh, developing story situations, you've got people that are trying to write the first draft so it becomes the only draft. They want that narrative to calcify, and they want that one to be the understood truth. And while it is important to pick apart that and not let that happen the answer is not to come out with a competing but also erroneous narrative right because then that allows your narrative to get picked apart too so i always advise slow down let's wait for more information to come out especially in like cop shooting situations that sort of stuff but there are a lot of people that want to rush to judgment because they have a different agenda at play News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Now, Ryan did pick this one. (laughs) This is his bumper music that he picked. (laughs) I support it. I like this song. That's fun. That's the name of the band. F-U-N. Fun. And they do have periods in between each of the letters, I believe, right? Yeah, which I don't know. Does it stand for something? I don't know. I mean, that would indicate it's an acronym, right? Yeah. 
All right, so let's, uh, by the way, I, I'm, all sorts of people are now commenting about uh, what we just heard the prosecutor say in his uh, closing arguments, that bringing a gun, you lose the right to self-defense when you're the one who brought the gun, when you're the one creating the danger. And that is just, well, I mean, even David French says this is just wrong as a matter of law. He says there are certainly circumstances where an unarmed man can charge an armed man and create a reasonable fear of death or serious bodily harm. I would point out here that the guy doing the charging towards the 17-year-old is an a mentally unstable human being and has been yelling and screaming in an unstable fashion for a while before he charges at Rittenhouse. So I think that's important, a key piece of information. Jesse Singal, writing at Substack, says that this balkanization due to the current media environment, this is a perfect case where we see it. He says, we seem uh, headed towards a point where every major news story generates at least two distinct versions of reality that are summarily adopted as true by many partisans. And the more explosive the story, the more disagreement about the facts. The Rittenhouse case was a particularly good or bad example, because thanks to the number of cameras on scene, we have a lot of details about what happened. And we have had these details about what happened pretty quickly. Seemed pretty clear simply from watching the videos and reading the relevant laws and legal analysis that Rittenhouse, at the very least, had a decent self-defense case. Not ironclad here, but it's a decent case. And yet I watched many influential media figures and politicians engage in this weird snowballing act of collective truthiness. They turned Rittenhouse into a monster, into somebody who had committed obviously premeditated acts of murder, in a manner that ran dozens of laps ahead of the available evidence. This sort of distortion can have serious consequences, especially when it collides with the realities of a courtroom. Yeah. This is one of the biggest issues that you run into. You know when the uh, first time I saw this was, um, I mean, really, really saw it kind of, uh, the contours of it in, in stark relief was with the Kavanaugh hearing. When the accusations in the media echo chamber were completely sufficient for half the country, that was all they needed, just an accusation. It didn't matter what the evidence was. And when presented with uh, evidence to the contrary, it simply generated cognitive dissonance and they simply shut down. They, they, They could not debate. They could not argue. I had this happen on several occasions uh, in my personal life, in professional life, but also on social media. So same thing is happening with the Rittenhouse stuff. There are people who believe that Kyle Rittenhouse shot and killed black people. You know that? That they think this is about race. Because they're confused, because nobody ever points out, I guess, in any of the early reporting, or up until, like, now, that the people he killed were all white. The people he shot were all white. It is Wisconsin. I mean, just to point out the obvious here. Hello, Rick. Welcome to the show. What's up? Hey, thanks hey. for taking the call. Yeah, sure. Um, you were talking about the media bias and such. Let me make sure my radio is turned down. Yes, uh, thank you. Is that uh, 
you had mentioned they want to give you part of the story or agenda written, uh, basically part of the story. Well, Rittenhouse, in your very own newscast at 2.30, when you broadcast the, Pew, the Fox piece, they conveniently let out that the judge dismissed the weapons charges against Rittenhouse. That was not mentioned in your broadcast. And, and that proves what? The judge dismissed the weapons charges against uh, Rittenhouse. Right. Which is big. It's huge because that was going to be the easiest charge that the prosecution could bring against Rittenhouse. Right. But it was admitted in your newscast. Okay. So if you're looking at biasness, look in the mirror. What, so what, was the, what, what do you think was the bias in not mentioning that that charge got dropped? Which, by the way, I would point out that, the, that, that was in the earlier reports from earlier today. Yeah, but not in that report. So it needs to be in every single report? Not in that report. No, I know, hey, but it's so, like so that's said. what I was asking. So it needs to be in every single report? It's just like you said. The media conveniently leaves out things. So does it need to be in every single uh, quarter-hour report? Oh, my gosh. Did he just hang up? Dude, you're a coward, man. Oh, my gosh. I don't think I've ever had a coward go that fast off the air. Well, I'm trying to figure out what the point of that was because I mentioned it when I started the show. I've heard it mentioned in the newscast, but see, in radio, as you as you cover an ongoing story throughout the day, there are going to be different versions that get told because it's all getting updated as you go. So when we're doing half-hourly newscasts at this time of the day and then different times of day, we do even more newscasts. So you're going to be updating the, the, the scripts. So you keep adding different pieces of information. So I'm kind of curious, was that supposed to be an attack on 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 WBT? Was that what Rick was going for there? Just a heads up, Rick, if you're going to, if you're going to come for the King, you better get him. <laughs> you know, like that's, that was weak, dude. That was totally weak. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The Kyle Rittenhouse trial is uh, nearing conclusion. The closing arguments got underway uh, today. They're in a break right now for lunch. So uh, we've taken a break as well. I still have a little bit of leftover audio from the uh, uh, from the prosecution's uh, opening st- or their closing statement, the beginning part of it. So we'll finish that up. But first, but first, Rick says his phone dropped. He did not hang up. So I want to say... He's if that's the case, then he's not a coward. He has called back in. So I apologize for calling him a coward. He has called back in. He says his phone dropped. So now he's going to try to make the point that he was trying to make before, but apparently was not able to do so. So let me bring Rick back on. Hello, Rick. You're back on. What was the point you were trying to make? I'm not a coward. There you go. See, so he comes immediately on and curses. So now you're gone. So he doesn't get to make his point. Oh, darn it. As if that was the point of calling back. By the way, no, I don't believe you that your phone dropped out at precisely the moment you said exactly what you wanted to say and then hung up. Right. I I don't think the phone dropped, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And I even said, then I would take it back that you're not a coward. But when you just do that. Now I kind of feel like I was right the first time. But, you know, whatever. 
Feel free to call back anytime, Rick. Maybe uh, your arguments will be better than your put downs. I don't know. Now, seriously, like if you look, I am perfectly happy and, and confident and willing to have policy debates and discussion and philosophical debates and discussion. We can talk about the legality of certain codes and such and go through, you know, legal analysis from, you know, non-practicing, non-lawyering types of people. Happy to do all of that. Um, if you are only interested in trolling, well, I'm your Huckleberry for that too, Rick. I am perfectly capable of trolling you, just like you troll me. See, that's that's fair. That's equality. You have no point, Rick. You had no point. You had no argument. You, you, you employed zero logic in stating whatever stupid case you were attempting to make. So, you know, you don't deserve anything other than me trolling you because that's what you did for me. You tried. So for folks who missed Rick's call, he attempted to argue, I think he never quite sealed the deal. He never, never got all the way through completion. So he, 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 no, he just, he didn't, he didn't finish. And so I'm thinking what his argument was supposed to be was that, uh, Because WBT News, in its report at, what time would that have been? 1.30, which, how long do you have at the bottom of the hour newscast, like, of actual news content? I think it's like 60 seconds, maybe 90 seconds of news content. And he said that there was no mention in the bottom of the hour newscast when the story was about the Rittenhouse trial that the judge had thrown out the weapons charge, which was the easiest charge to convict on. See, now, I'm assuming this is a huge point for Rick. This proves something in Rick's mind. And I suspect it might be because Rick is among the most uninformed people in the audience. Um, He listens to this show to stay in a perpetual state of agitation, I suspect. But um, I got to believe Rick was not aware of how bad of a charge that was and how obviously... Uh, it was to be kicked out at first at, at, at the earliest uh, uh, possible time. And the reason Rick probably didn't know this is because the media he consumes didn't tell him this. But this has been known since August of 2020. That weapons charge was garbage. I, I actually broke this all down at the very beginning of the show. Now, it's it's legally it's got to read through the law and stuff and you got to bounce around between a bunch of different laws but yeah I went over it there wasn't any way they were going to be able to convict him of that charge and the fact that Rick believes that it was the most easily convictable charge that was the best grounds that the prosecution had to to actually get Kyle Rittenhouse tells me that Rick consumes a lot of leftist media I assume the fact that he's so mad that that charge didn't survive today It didn't get to go to the jury. And the reason it doesn't get to go to the jury is because it never should have been filed in the first place. And anybody who can read a law book can tell you that. And by the way, people did. People did say that. But Rick was never exposed to that information. And so now Rick is mad at me and at WBT. And he just needs to, I guess, lash out. And so he hears the bottom of the hour newscast. It's it's 22nd story on the Rittenhouse trial, which is an update on the trial as to what's occurred since the last update, which was a half hour prior, which was an update from the previous half hour, which was an update from the previous half hour. You see how that works? It's a constantly updating story. And so 
he cites the fact that there was not a mention in that newscast about the charge getting tossed, that this is somehow the bias of WBT. I think that's what his argument was going to be. But he wasn't able to make it. Um, Bill, welcome to the show. Bill, what's going on? How are you? That is his name, right? Bill? How about Charles? Oh, all right. How about Charles? Come on down, Charles, if that's your name. <laughs> hey, hey, Pete, long-time listener, first-time caller. Well, Just welcome. Something to, to throw out at you, thank you. Uh, you know, the let's say the left side, they really hate the uh, millionaires that are being produced this, today in the United States, and they're trying to keep everything kind of slowed down. But they never stop to think that, hmm, let's see, this uh, Covington kid is now a multimillionaire. <laughs> let's see, this Riding House kid's going to be a multimillionaire when all the lawsuits get thrown. And they just don't get it that they're just creating more and more and more people against them. And, it's, you know, it's to their own fault. I uh, I am not sure. Like I said, I don't make predictions on jury trials because I'm just I'm not good at it and um, know your limitations, you know. So I, I don't make those types of predictions. I have no idea if, if he's going to walk on any of these charges. He could he could very well get convicted on all of them. But I mean, it's a jury. You never know what's going to happen once they go behind closed doors. They cut deals with each other. Jurors do in these negotiations to try to get out of there. You never know. Oh, yeah, you never know. But like I say, just, just look at all the new millionaires. Yeah, no, I hear you. That <laughs> makes you smile at the end of the day. <laughs> I got you. Charles, thanks for the call, buddy. I appreciate it. All right, see. <laughs> that's, that's a fair point. Yeah, it's like they're creating more of the people they hate. It's quite ironic. 704-570-1110-1800-WBT-1110. Oh, time now to head over to the WBT News Center. Gosh, what won't they report up next? <laughs> All right, we'll be back in a minute.